Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. We are going to be starting in the book of Philippians today. We'll start with verse or with chapter 1, but let me give you a little background about this chapter, or about this book. Philippi was located in eastern Macedonia, which is northern Greece, on a major highway that linked Rome and Asia. This was the first city in Europe to receive the gospel. A woman named Lydia and her household were, were Paul's first converts there. Approximately ten years after his first missionary visit to Philippi, Paul was preaching the gospel as a, as a prisoner in Rome. The Philippians, hearing of Paul's situation, sent a guy whose name I can't pronounce, Epaphroditus, Bearing gifts for him, he was to stay with Paul. He was to stay with Paul and assist him as needed. But a life-threatening illness forced Epaphroditus to return home. Paul sent this letter of thanksgiving and counsel to the Philippian saints sometime around A.D. 60 to 62. This epistle is a letter of friendship, full of affection, confidence, good counsel, and good cheer. It is the happiest of St. Paul's writings, for the Philippians were the dearest of his children in the faith. It admits us to his prison meditations and communings with his master. We watch his spirit ripening through the autumn hours when patience fulfilled in him its perfect work. That was by Drumolo. Paul encourages the Philippian saints to follow Jesus Christ. Paul reminds the Colossians that, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. These epistles, both uh, Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians are known as the prison epistles. He most likely wrote these during his imprisonment in Rome. The books of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon tell us some of the things we must do to have strength of Christ at work in our lives. Bruce R. McConkie said, Philippians is a sweet and refined statement info which a number of gospel doctrines are woven, and our Bible is greatly enriched by its presence there. Paul's letters to the Philippian and Colossian saints, as well as his personal letter to Philemon, were written while the while he was in the bonds of captivity. It is generally supposed that they were written during the first Roman imprisonment, though many have argued that they might have been written while Paul was imprisoned in Corinth or Ephesus or even Caesarea. And that was by Bruce Satterfield. Ted Gibbons said, This letter to the Philippian saints has been called the happy letter. In Acts 16, when Paul was unjustly accused, illegally beaten, and unlawfully imprisoned, he terrified city officials by announcing that he was a Roman. It may be that Paul's price for silence regarding this breach of Roman law was that the rulers leave the church in Philippi alone. There are no great problems addressed in this letter, no stirring calls to repentance, no reproof nor rebuke, but rather a gentle admonition to the believers to be filled with with the fruits of righteousness. Those fruits can fill our lives only as we follow Christ implicitly. Philippians suggests at least five wonderful ways to do that. That was by Ted Gibbons. All righty. I wonder, uh, do you, as a missionary, or a former missionary, missionaries often have favorite cities in which they ministered. I think that this is probably, for Paul, his favorite city is Philippi. I had a favorite city on my mission in France, and that was Saint-Brieuc. 
I loved Sambria. It was my favorite place. Uh, I would go there in a heartbeat. I might even want to live there someday. Who knows? All righty, the heading to chapter 1, all that happened to Paul furthered the gospel cause. Our conduct should be as becometh the gospel. Verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, which is Timothy, the servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. The city was founded by Philip, the father of Alexander the Great, around 350 BC, which is in the northeastern Greece near Bulgaria, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for the steadfastness of you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Paul has no concern for their welfare, because they are all faithful to the gospel. Verse 8, For God is my record or witness, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels or affections of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places." Paul's become famous now because of his imprisonments. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, Paul has set a good example of not being afraid to preach the gospel, and so others are doing the same thing. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. To the, the, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and, and will rejoice. The question we must ask ourselves here is, is this one. What kind of Christ does my life preach? If someone were to learn all he or she would ever know about Christ from watching me follow him and live his gospel, how accurate would his perception be? Do we preach a Christ of contention and strife or a Christ of love and goodwill? That was by Ted Gibbons. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, in other words, the light of Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And if I live in the flesh, ye are the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I know not. For me to live is to do the will of Christ, and to die is my gain. Now I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. In other words, if I if I stay here, I'll do I'll preach the gospel, which will be great. But if I die and go to Heavenly Father, that's actually better. Although he doesn't want to leave because he wants to still preach the gospel to his friends here. Verse 26, that your rejoicing with me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for my 
coming to you again. Therefore, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The Greek verb translated conversation, as we began verse 27 here, literally means to live or conduct oneself as a citizen. It seems obvious that through the use of this word, Paul was attempting to transfer the Philippians' pride as citizens to their new community of saints, hoping to unify them in love and allegiance. And that was by Bruce Satterfield. Verse 28, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries who reject the gospel which bringeth on them destruction, but you who receive the gospel, salvation, and that of God. For unto you it is given by, in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now know to be in me. That's the end of the chapter, and we will see you next time. Bye.